What is up, everybody? This is Ryan for The Scale Up Show. I have a special founder and CEO, Steve Cody, on with me today, who's the founder and CEO of Bunking.com. Really cool marketplace episode where he breaks down design thinking, how to in, induce virality, as well as network effect thinking, and breaks down his exact framework to do it. This man has had over $750 million in revenue through 18 businesses that he's created. Um, you're not going to miss this. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everyone, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Steve Cody. Steve is currently the founder and CEO of Bunking, a marketplace for shared living and travel. Also has another business called Marketplace Studio, which is a software development boutique firm focused on marketplace creation. He started in business as a teen and basically started his very first business with $1,200. He's created over 18 businesses over the past 30 years and has generated over $750 million in sales. Steve, welcome to the show, man. Happy to have you here. Thanks very much, Ryan. Glad to be on. Yeah, dude, I'm excited. You have a, a very unique background, uh, totally non-SaaS related, which is cool. You're in the rental business, you're in the franchise business, you're a lot of different areas. And then you ended up in tech, which I think is a, must give you amazing perspective. But real quick, before we get too deep into your business, let's do what's called the revenue rundown. So where are you at in terms of the stage of your journey for your ARR? So bunking, uh, marketplace, uh, spent four months doing design thinking, little over a year development, launched beta about three months ago. So we'll be in beta for another three months. Uh, so we're pre-revenue still. We're building supply and getting user feedback. Excellent. Excellent. And so then with that factor, usually we talk about what's your primary revenue go-to-market strategy. I guess from that aspect, what are you planning on doing for your, your go-to-market strategy? Yeah, so right now, as part of the beta, we've got four different go-to-market tests that we're doing. Um, and what we're looking for in the go-to-market tests is we're looking for the, the you know, relatively lowest customer acquisition po uh, cost possible with the highest network effect. So what niche is that? And, you know, we, we've already eliminated a lot of um, categories, uh, which, you know, they can have low customer acquisition costs, but they don't have enough network effect. And if we don't get the network effect, that means we're the ones doing the advertising all the time, which we don't want to be doing. So we've completed two of the tests. We're just starting the third right now. And then the fourth one will be after that. So we'll know when we're done the test, the tests. Well, I definitely want to dig into that because it's, it's, uh, Really unique. So let's let's finish going through the rundown, and then I would love to jump right into that because that's um, that sounds like I mean obviously a very well thought out approach, which I love. Um, would just love to get your feedback on that. So let's jump to your team size. How big is your team right now? Uh, we're about eleven people. So okay. eleven. We're, we Marketplace Studios does the development, so that's the development side of the team, and then you know we're more the sales, marketing, operational side. Okay. Excellent. And then can you just give us a little more detail on what the marketplace is going to do exactly, who it serves, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, so bunking is a marketplace where, 
Like think about it as, as a shared booking platform. So we're a marketplace that helps to connect like-minded people, um, you know, do shared bookings for, it could be shared living, shared traveling, anything like that. So example is, you know, I want to rent a catamaran, can't afford to, you know, can't afford to rent it on my own. Uh, so I can put up a planned trip on bunking uh, and have other people, you know, either share that expense. Maybe I can make a little bit of money doing it and offer a little extra value. Uh, so that's what bunking is. We're a shared okay. booking platform. Yeah. And I've seen that in particular. So you, like if you're talking about the catamaran, like I've seen that in the Caribbean where you take it for whatever, three days, four days, there might be eight people on it. It's really expensive. You know, there's just a couple or four people going. Is that what you're talking about? And then you kind of link up with the other folks, something along those lines. Yeah. You know, if you think about traditional booking, like it's either a family gets together, they're going to book something. So it could be that catamaran, could be an Airbnb. Um, the next traditional form of booking is a bunch of friends get together and they book something. But what about all these individuals? And now, you know, post COVID, there's a lot more people with their own schedules. They have a lot more proprietary mobility. Uh, so it's really kind of tapping into that. So, if, you know, maybe I want to go to Catamaran, uh, but nobody else I know wants to go on a Catamaran. So I can go to bunking, uh, you know, maybe I'll rent the Catamaran and look for other people to join me, uh, share the cost of that booking. Or maybe I'll make a little bit of money doing it or subsidize the booking, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely makes sense, man. So then, so that may, that makes sense. And then are you bootstrapped or funded? Uh, this one is a little bit different. Like the last one we did, we raised 20 million on. Uh, this one we want to raise, it's a maximum of two and a half million dollars uh, by the time we kind of get fully to market. Um, so to date, we've raised 600,000. Okay, excellent. So a little bit different structure. Yeah. And that's why the network is important. Yeah. The, yeah. So well let's get into that, man. I mean, um, I guess you know, I wanna I, I wanna I wanna get into a little bit of your story about how you're testing it and then get back in your story, which I don't usually jump around like that, but that's okay, man. You you got me intrigued with your go to market. So walk me through your exact framework on how you're testing go to markets in the pre-revenue stage. And we just love to hear that, especially because of the fact that you're kind of balancing out the CAC with the network effect. And so how do you look at that? What's your framework? Um, and let's take it from there, man. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, so, you know, if you look at Bunking, we're a shared booking platform. So we looked at it, we had three buckets we wanted to go after. So one being kind of like think travel and retreats. Second bucket would be remote work, going after that uh, market. And then roommate living, right? So think about student living or, you know, kind of golden girls living, that kind of thing. So when we started beta, we kind of, you know, we didn't, we didn't focus on one particularly. We kind of let the market pull us and tell us which one the market was most interested in, in an organic way. So without spending any marketing dollars. Uh, so it didn't take us long to figure out that travel and retreats was where the market was pulling us. So that's really, really wanted this kind of shared booking platform. Uh, so that was decision one. So now we know we focus first on travel and retreats, second remote work, third roommate uh, living. Uh, so then when we knew it was going to be travel and retreats, then what kind of tests you want to do around that? So the first thing we did is we went to 
uh, reached out to tour organizers. So think about a safari in Africa or something like that. Uh, showed a bunking. Are you interested in coming on bunking? Supply is the most important thing. Um, very strong interest because for them, we're just another sales channel, right? So they can post their safari on bunking and hopefully they get business. So at the end of the day, uh, with tours and safaris, great people to have on the platform, low customer acquisition cost, uh, but no network effect because, to, you know, they're putting their safari on our platform and they're expecting us basically to fill it for them. So that's kind of where that one, that was test one. Uh, test two was more retreats. So think yoga retreats, wellness retreats, things like that. So reaching out to them, are you interested in coming on bunking? This is what we do. Again, very strong interest getting them on the platform. Uh, the difference with retreats is typically the founder uh, has strong domain knowledge in an area. So it could be they're very passionate about yoga. So they're hosting a yoga retreat. So there is a significant network effect that happens with yogas yoga, or with retreats. Sorry. So again, relatively low CAC, pretty good network effect for us, right? So that's kind of where that's ended up. The one we're just starting right now is what we call a demand density test. So think about Coachella, South by Southwest, maybe it was FIFA, Super Bowl. So you have a lot of density in an area. So you have high demand, uh, but there are not enough accommodations to meet the demand. So can bunking help there? And can we get enough network effect out of that? So that's kind of, if that makes sense. Uh, and then fourth is testing influencers. So we already know with influencers, we're going to have high CAC. But then what's the network effect going to be, you know, looking at eyeballs per influencer? And then uh, what can the network effect be out of that? Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense, man. So I, I love how you broke that down. It was, uh, it was sharp. So <clears throat> what's the minimum expectation you have for, for the network effect then? Or like what's the threshold that you, that you want or um, to make it a successful channel? So... With bunking, you have an organizer. So an organizer is the one that would organize the trip. And then you have the guests, the people that would join it. So what we're looking for is the organizers bringing on guests. They're the ones bringing them on. We're not promoting the trip on their behalf. So they're the ones able to attract people. And then out of the guests, how many of them in turn will start organizing or hosting their own trips? So that's what we're trying to measure. And we did live tests early, early on to test the thesis. So we had nine strangers get together. It was a remote work uh, uh, setting. I think it was six days, no alcohol, board games, you know, between 20 and 30. So a very curated group, which bunking mm -hmm. offers are all curated groups. And six of the nine were extremely apprehensive about being with strangers. Um, and at the end of it, None of them wanted to leave. They had an awesome experience. They just had their one year reunion where they all got back together and everything. And they all literally every single one said that they would go out and organize their own trips. It was that good of an experience. So that was, you know, so that was a huge, this was really early on when we were testing out, like, you know, and that's when we thought before we got into beta, we thought remote work would be the strongest, uh, you know, the strongest one of the three buckets, but it ended up being travel and retreats. That's where the market pulled us. Okay. And why did you decide to create this marketplace? Like what was the primary reason that this is the route you decided to go, especially with all the different 
different businesses you've had in the past? Yeah, so great question. <laughs> uh, so son and daughter, 23, 26, they had a great idea. They were going to go to this surf town across the country. They were going to go there for three months. They were going to work from there, you know, live, surf, do whatever. Till they found out the cheapest place they can get was around $6,000 a month, which they could not afford. Uh, so I suggested, I said, well, rent the place, uh, then go to Craigslist, go to Facebook Marketplace, like rent out the extra couches, the extra rooms, like get enough people in there, you could live for free. And then my daughter's like, okay, well, how do people pay? And what about ax murders? You know? So she was really concerned about safety. That's where it, the, the first thing kind of came up. And, uh, so we went online to say, well, if you're traveling with strangers, living with strangers, like, how do you know if they're axe murders or not? Like, how do you vet these people? And we couldn't find anything. So that was like shocking. Next thing was my daughter, she's a TikTok influencer. So she's like, well, if I'm going to live with strangers for three months, I want to do collaborative living. And I'm like, what the hell is collaborative living? And then she says, well, she shows them these places in LA, these TikTok houses, and this is collaborative living. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. And my son, he's a product manager in tech. He's like, no, 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 hang on a second. Like, I never have an office to go back to. So if I'm going to live with strangers for three months, I want them to be from technology. I want to learn. I want to mentor. So, so yeah, kind of had the three problems, right? You had two people that couldn't even afford to travel. Uh, you had a huge safety issue. And then you had this kind of themed living opportunity. And that's where it just kind of all started. Yeah. That's where the idea came from. That's interesting. And what is your daughter what does she influence her on on tiktok just out of curiosity she does, she does uh game shows oh so really she asks these questions with cards and she's got thousands of people watching her and then you know then she people send her products and she talks about products and gets paid she does really well for game shows <laughs> you're saying sorry you're saying for game shows that's that's interesting yeah. man yeah, yeah it's her own little game show yeah good for her good for her that's funny um, and then they do these collaborative living places. So I don't know if you know that, Ryan, but it's a huge thing. So, you know, I TikTokers, mean, YouTubers, gamers. Yeah. I've, you know, it's funny, man. I, I've seen it. Um, remember when online poker was really big? Um, yeah. I saw that with online poker players did it. I've seen it with tech people. I mean, it may, tech folks, you know, whether it's incubators or just in general, like um, they're starting to, th they're starting to have a, a lot of them pop up in the AI, uh, artificial intelligence yeah. segment of California now. Um, that's starting to become hot. But I, it makes a lot of sense for the the influencer side or the TikTok or YouTube. But I just didn't really, I didn't really think of that. But it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I totally see that. Yeah. So and then like shared booking, right? So how do these people get together and kind of make it happen? So that's yeah. anyways that's the problem we're trying to solve. So with bunking, you could literally, as as an organizer, set a rule: you need to have a criminal background check done through your bunking profile before you join my trip, and that can happen on bunking. It's that safe. Yeah, I. That's pretty cool. I like it, and it's it's funny because it's a. It's pretty obvious now that you talk about it, but that's that's how a lot of tech solutions start. They're obvious when you talk about it until someone actually takes the initiative and creates it, right? So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so let's talk about like this whole marketplace approach and, and, and network effect. So like prior to this, did, did you have any background in this or um, I know you have the marketplace kind of design studio as well, but like, how did you, where does your expertise come from on the, the whole marketplace aspect? 
Uh, well, I mean, we had built a rental marketplace called Ruckify. So it's a peer-to-peer rental marketplace. We learned, we learned a lot doing that one. It was an excellent, excellent product. And we had network effect going. Um, yeah, so I think that's kind of where, where we really learned the impact of network effect. Uh, and also thinking about you have to do it, but then putting it through design thinking and really kind of getting a group of people together and just getting into the nitty gritties and really thinking about like how, you know, because if you market like your margins are so small on marketplaces, you, you know, I mean, if you're going to go out and you think you're going to start advertising on Google or Facebook and you're going to get people to come and transact, that's a pretty tough way to go. So you got to, You've got to build a marketplace where you, at least you can get your supply, whoever you bring on as supply, give them the tools and the nudging and whatever you need to do to get them to promote whatever they're doing. So, you know, like, again, a tour operator on bunking, you know, they, they don't really have a network, so they just want a sales channel. But somebody who's doing a, a yoga retreat, well, they're probably in a, a couple of Facebook groups themselves, right, but with other yoga enthusiasts. So they're going to share that yoga retreat and they'll get booking so for us that's network effect hello this is ryan here real quick if you are enjoying this episode please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review if you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS ceos and founders are doing check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io join my newsletter check out other free content resources i have there and let me know if you want to scale your business now back to the episode What's your framework for design thinking when you're creating this or when you're looking to optimize it for virality? Uh, we have a team of four people. It's typically four people. So we start with the problem statement, uh, make our assumptions, go through competitor research. Um, you know, we get right down to uh, we'll do low fidelity mocks. We'll do high fidelity mocks. Uh, we'll test the low fidelity and the high fidelity with potential users. So really, you've got a feature or a product that you're literally showing somebody uh, how it's going to function. So if you click this, it goes to that, just like it would if it was a real product. Um, And then, you know, and then that kind of, then we come back as a team, you score things and you kind of settle on something. Okay. So basically, it's like a clickable MVP is kind of what you're talking about, but with market data of people. Correct. That you, Computer you analysis. And it's a whole it's a whole team. Like it's not one or two people with maybe tunnel vision that are just, you know, thinking about something. Well, I'll give you a great example. Like the uh, rental marketplace we did, we had built and sold six rental companies. We had built a tech company before we started it. So we thought, you know, we were being a bit arrogant. Like we, we got this. We know how to do this. And we created a posting process. So if you had a chainsaw and you wanted to rent it out. We had 11 steps to add that chainsaw to, to the marketplace. We thought that's pretty good. I think Airbnb has 21. The RV guys like have 16 to 18. So we're 11, like we're geniuses. But when we got it up and going and it started looking at the data, 80% of the people who started to post the chainsaw or whatever it was would literally drop off over those 11 steps. So when we put it through design, and that was built through 
you know, intuition iteration. When we put it through design thinking, that was about a six-week design thinking project for people. It literally flipped. Uh, it was a four-step posting process. 80% of the people were completing their posting process. So imagine you're spending money on acquiring supply, but only 20% of the people are even finishing it because they're frustrated or whatever the reason is, right? So that's the like That's huge. That's that makes or breaks whatever you're doing, I think. Wait, and how many steps did you reduce it to then? <clears throat> the 11 step four. process? Four. Okay. 11 to four. So you took it yeah. from 11 to four and it flipped it from like an 80% basically drop off 80% take. Yeah. Even on the sign up, when we had the sign up, we thought we were pretty good because we did criminal background checks and stuff when you're signing up. So we had to ask quite a few questions. Um, 70% of the people who started the sign-up process would drop off. After we put it through design thinking, literally flipped, only 30% of the people would drop off. So imagine you're somebody excited to get to market. Your investors are like, you got to go, you got to go. You're not looking at the data. Only, you know, only 30 of the, you know, 30% of the people are signing up. Like you're blowing your brains out, spending money for nothing. Oh, yeah. So anyways, yeah, those were their lessons learned. Yeah. So, no, that makes a lot that. of sense, man. And it's it's interesting too, especially with all the expertise that you had in that domain. You know what I mean? That you would still drop. I mean, have that have those kind of results. Yeah, yeah, and that's with Marketplace Studios. That's why we started that. So really, it's taking entrepreneurs that have strong domain knowledge, which is really important, uh, but then combining it with our team, design thinking and development. You know, to kind of marry those two and hopefully make it a big success. And what, what level of companies do you usually work with? Like what size? They're typically smaller. smaller. Uh, a lot of Early startups. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. There's a company, Share Tribe, where it's like a template for marketplaces. We're one of their uh, development partners. So a lot of it, because it helps reduce the risks for the entrepreneur. So typically we'll drive them to that uh, just to minimize risk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So, yeah. so Steve, <clears throat> we're getting close on time here, but there's a couple of things I want to ask you. One is like, what would you say is like, out of all your experience with, with the range of businesses that you've had and, and everything along those lines, what would you say is the, the single best strategy you discovered or skill that you've learned that's helped you grow um, your businesses the most? Um. Well, I think first off, you have to start with the premise that you're, you're going to find a way to make it happen. It's not necessarily uh, the way you think it's going to happen. But if you're prepared to think out of the box, you're prepared to pivot, uh, you know, change what you're doing. Because I think like almost always, you know, our original idea for bunking is like totally different today than it was when we started. So I think you have to be open to that. And you've got to just be determined to find a way. And I think that's really the biggest thing. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I guess to follow up with it though, like when do you when do you know when to stop pivoting? When it's just like it's not working? Like how do you make that distinction? Uh it sounds like you want to have unrelenting commitment, right? But is there a point where it's like, hey, it's just you just gotta stop pivoting and move on to something else? Or what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I think you want to make like what when you start a business or you have an idea. What do you want out of it? I think was probably the most important question. So do I, do I want free time? Do I want to make more money? Do I want to hit a home run and build something really big? 
And I think you have to have that answer before you answer the other answer, right? So if I'm doing it, because if I started something because I'm looking for more free time, well, if I'm going to keep pivoting and keep trying, uh, you know, it's kind of counterproductive to my goal, right? But if my goal is, is to hit a home run, well, you got to keep trying because there's going to be a way. So I think, yeah. you know, it depends what you want out of it is really because I don't like we've been in some tough situations. We've started some tough things and there's typically a way. Okay. So how, how are you leveraging AI in your business then right now or plan to, I should say? Yeah, great question. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so if bunking, like when we look at bunking, you know, you think about Airbnb, like they're an accommodations booking platform, booking.com, Expedia, you know, they're to book something. We see ourselves more as a data platform and we're a data platform because bunking is almost like a dating platform. Like because we're connecting like-minded people, um, you know, to do joint bookings, we're getting a lot more data from the users. Uh, so we know what they're interested in. Like they, they want to share all this because they're trying to connect with like-minded people which you wouldn't do on Airbnb or you wouldn't do on booking.com or Expedia. So we end up with all this data and we think that's actually like kind of the gold for us. Um, today, there's no AI. Uh, it's too early for us. So we're still looking for, you know, product market fit. Uh, but we've got, you know, the data points we think we need and the data schema, uh, that's all in place. So, but there is no AI right now. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because it's, I mean, that's, and that's what I've kind of discovered, especially going through this. And I mean, I mastermind with different founders all the time. I bring them together, talking to so many over the course of the year. And it's almost like data is, uh, it's data and attention are like some of the biggest products outside of the actual product. Right. And so I guess like with that, that data and insights, like what's the potential to leverage that? And I'm not saying in an unethical way, right? In an ethical way from getting all those likes, dislikes. I mean, what's your vision for that? And then like when you're so early in the stage, like you are right now, how do you have that vision to know what the outcomes are? Or do you gotta just kind of take it as it is and go from there? Yeah, I mean, when we're looking at developing a feature, so right now we're developing kind of a bucket list and a passport feature so people can you know, on a map, you can, where's my bucket list and, you know, where have I been kind of thing. We think about how we, part of the product uh, development process is to think about data and how are we going to use data to help people have a better experience. So uh, if you've got on your bucket list that you want to go to Costa Rica in the future, and we know that, you know, based on your profile, you're interested in surfing. Uh, if somebody creates a trip in Costa Rica, that's maybe a surfing trip. Uh, you know, we can push that notification to you. So that helps you kind of save some time and have a better experience. So that's that's how we kind of think of data. So it's it's really more, definitely not selling the data outside of mm -hmm. bunking. It's more, we think more data about how do we use it to just for a better customer experience. You know, if somebody, if as soon as somebody posts that trip that they want to have a surf camp down in Costa Rica, they're renting a place for a month and they're doing surf lessons and whatnot. Well, then you'll get a push notification as soon as that's that that trip is made available. So now we're helping the organizer fill his trip, and we're helping you fulfill your your bucket list of going to Costa yeah. Rica and learning how to surf. 
right? Definitely. So that's so kind of, yeah. yeah. I love it, man. All right. Well, we are just about up on time. Where can people find you? Where can they find out more about bunking? And then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, I'm at bunking.com. So pretty easy. Uh, I've got my own website, uh, stephencody.com uh, uh, or on LinkedIn. So yeah, we're, we're looking, always looking for partnerships, always looking for feedback. So for anybody that just wants to jump, jump on the product, tell us what they don't like. We'd love to hear it. So thank you. Excellent, man. Well, it was great having you on the show. I really appreciate your thoughtfulness with uh, how you kind of approach everything with a testing mindset and a design thinking mindset. You can tell it's going to yield amazing results once this thing gets cooking. So uh, thanks for being on the show, Steve. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. All right. We'll see you all on the next episode. Thank you for checking out the Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.